The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. I want to go and find as many examples, models, other people's opinions, feedback from what they think, examples from history, examples from fiction, science fiction. So then I'm actually in a very real way drawing on the best thinking of many different people, not just my own and not just at one moment in time, but across time, you know, far into the past and even into the future. Hi, it's Wednesday and welcome back to the Next Big Idea Daily. I'm Michael Kovnat, and this is day three of my conversation with Tiago Forte, author of Building a Second Brain. Now, if you've missed any of the previous episodes, you can find them in your podcast feed or on our Next Big Idea app. Tiago has been giving us a high-level overview of his technique for creating a sort of digital storehouse, one place to keep all your stray bits of information and inspiration. Now, why would you want to bother doing this? Obviously, it's a helpful tool for remembering things, given the fallibility of our first brains. But according to Tiago, it's at least as valuable for creating things, whether you're devising a business plan or composing an opera or just making a decision. Tiago says you're best served by gathering all the building blocks first, photos or charts, bits of text, chunks of research. And when you're in this stage of the creative process, you wanna go broad. As Tiago says, you need to diverge before you converge. As part of our work or business, we know we have to solve problems creatively and converge on a final product at the end of the day, the week, or the month. Our professional success and our reputation depend on our ability to drive our efforts to completion. But before you shut off new sources of information and converge on an end result, take some time to diverge first. Expand your horizons, expose yourself to diverse influences, and collect anything that resonates with you or that you find surprising. Take your time to make sure you truly understand all the facets of the problem, including how others perceive it, before spending the time and energy needed to solve it. This process of divergence followed by convergence is present in every creative field. Writers diverge by collecting raw material for the story they want to tell, sketching out potential characters and researching historical facts. They converge by making outlines, laying out the plot points, and writing a first draft. Photographers diverge by taking photos of things they find interesting, juxtaposing different kinds of photos together, or experimenting with new lighting or framing techniques. They converge by choosing the shots for a collection, archiving unused images, and printing their favorites. Many problems are timeless and reoccurring which means it is likely that someone in the past or in another field has solved it before. You can borrow their thinking and build on what they've already accomplished. When it comes time to converge on your own solution, you'll have considered the problem from more angles and thus will be able to draw on a much wider variety of sources. I think I understand how the second brain helps us with the diverge stage. So you're suggesting that we just collect a lot of stuff, you know, we just make sure we've 
got a lot of uh, material and we've taken a lot of notes and we've expanded our range before we try to then narrow it down. But how does the second brain help me with that narrowing stage when I'm ready to converge and bring it all together? Yes, good question. So I think my take on this is when I diverge, it can be partially just about imagining, you know, wild and crazy and diverse ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just find the way my mind works, when I, when I tell my brain, come up with some, you know, imaginative, unusual ideas, it just goes blank. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like asking a kid to do something. They are two-year-old. Whatever you tell him to do, he wants to do the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, divergence is really about looking to the outside world. Hmm. You know, I want to go and find as many examples, models, possibilities of how it could look, other people's opinions, feedback from what they think, examples from history, examples from fiction, science fiction. What does science have to say? What do economists have to say? Really go and almost survey the field for whatever is the decision I'm making or the thing that I'm trying to create. So then when I go back to Converge, I'm actually in a very real way drawing on the best thinking of many different people, not just my own, and not just at one moment in time, but across time, you know, far into the past and even into the future. Mm -hmm. That to me just inevitably leads to far better decisions, outcomes, better creativity, more imagination, simply from having more stuff that I've diverged into before turning to convergence. If I'm looking at all this in my second brain, say I have a really well-organized note-taking system and I've had all these various flights of fancy and and historical references and I've got this great pile of stuff in my box, as Twyla Tharp would have it, then what I might do is sift through this box go through my second brain and say, well, that one doesn't really apply or that one's useless. But this one, this this could work maybe if I combine it with this other one. And so the the second brain is sort of this space in which I can play with the, the items and reduce it to a more usable set of, of ideas or notes. Exactly. You need it all in one place. For me, that's a, I advise people to create a project folder just mm-hmm. one single place where all material, just like Twyla Tharp's box, except digital, mm-hmm. where you put it all. So then you can step into, quote unquote, that place and make those decisions. Oh, yeah, this is valid and applies to this. Let me use that. This doesn't. Or sometimes it's somewhere in the middle where you you borrow aspects of things, right? Mm-hmm. There may be an example, let's say, from a different industry that you decide, oh, well, this is a very different industry. I, I need to throw away 90% of this example, but there's 10% a way that they framed it or a strategy they used or a tool that they implemented, you can just borrow an aspect or a component or a part of an example or model that you find out there. And once you realize that, you're just going around just borrowing little pieces of different people's work Mm. and different examples of what's come before, uh, which is just so much easier and more effective than trying to do it all yourself. Okay, I think we're getting a little bit abstract that we might need another example. Do you have an example either from your own creative work or for someone you you know who was able to diverge and then converge? Here's, here's a good one. Uh, I don't think I mentioned this in the book either. A lot of my inspiration comes from my dad. Uh, he's a lifelong artist. He does large scale figures, uh, still lives, landscapes, and different types of art on, uh, on canvas. And the reason he's an inspiration is he lived an incredibly inspired creative life. 
You know, he did his art, his artistic passion, his entire, almost his entire 73 years. Mm. But he also raised four kids in Southern California, mm. <laughs> <laughs> which is no small feat, you know, the, to, to do that financially, to be organized, to be responsible, to, to just have his, his life together in a way that we could have a great, safe, secure upbringing in contrast to that stereotype of the artist as this completely spontaneous, unpredictable, crazy person, right? Mm -hmm. And so one way he would use this strategy is, so one day I, I came home from school, I think I was in middle school or something, and he has this uh, studio in the backyard and one whole wall of the studio was covered in paintings of crabs. Hmm. They were just crabs in different poses, different angles, small crabs, big crabs, different colored crabs, and I just thought, this is really bizarre. Like, what is the what is the obsession with crabs? And it turned out that he had been working on a painting, and he reached an impasse where he needed to he needed to paint a crab in like one corner of a still life that he was painting. But he couldn't figure out how to paint the crab. He just didn't know how to do it. So instead of sitting there sweating, gritting his teeth, you know, trying to force himself to do it better, mm -hmm. he just started making crabs in every shape and style. Like how would Picasso make a crab? How would Monet make a crab? How would, you know, uh, someone else make a crab? A modernist crab, a traditional a romantic crab, an impressionist crab. And by the time he got done making all these crabs, it was almost like the knowledge of how to make a crab had been, he, he, his hands had been imbued with that mm. knowledge. So then he could almost converge and compress all of that learning to make the best little crab in the corner of that painting that you've ever seen. <laughs> that is a great example. Do you know how he decided when he was done diverging and he was ready to converge again? Or just more generally, do you have any tips for knowing when to stop playing and experimenting and start honing? It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I don't think there can be any rule. Mm -hmm. I think that decision right there is very close to the heart of the creative process mm. because it's, it's mysterious. You mm -hmm. can't know. You know, it is, and, it, it, and in some sense, it's an internal intuition. It is a vision. A lot of what it means to have a vision is knowing when you have enough, knowing, in other words, knowing when you're ready. Mm -hmm. You know, no yeah. one can tell you when you're yeah. ready to tackle whatever is the creative endeavor. No one. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with how much time you spent or, you know, the degrees or credentials you have, or yeah. what anyone else thinks. No one can tell you except that internal fire of certainty in your gut that, you know what, I have enough research, enough preparation, enough notes, enough models and examples, and then you just go for it. Thanks for listening. Tiago will be back tomorrow with some advice on how to handle that next step in the creative process. Once you've gathered all your building blocks and are ready to make something cool, he'll show us how to prune away what's merely good to reveal what's truly great. As part of your own digital management system, consider signing up for our Next Big Idea Daily newsletter using the link in the episode notes. You'll get a curated selection of big ideas from the best nonfiction writers out there, which you can easily copy and paste right into your second brain. I'm Michael Kovnett. See you tomorrow.